Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Thursday or happy Friday, I guess, depending on where you're watching from. Um, that's a hint to our little our Estonian and Lithuanian friends over there and our East Coast friends. But uh, AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by uh, uh, DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. Feeling a little bit under the weather, but don't worry. I am here. I have the broad shoulders of John Schuster and Ben White to pull us all through. All right. Arizona beats California here um, fairly easily. This game was fascinating to me for a variety of reasons. First of all, I don't understand the camera camera angle of this game. I have high school basketball highlights that were just like this, where you were at the top and it's looking right down. It was absurd looking. I didn't like that. And again, um, uh, Arizona was able, again, was able to take care of business. But in front of nobody on a Thursday night, a win is a win is a win, guys. Go ahead, Ben. You're in the upper corner this time. <laughs> a win, a win is a win indeed. Uh, if if I had to guess who the cameraman was, I, I would probably guess you know it would be somebody even worse than Mike Luke when it comes to technology ability. My God, what a what a terrible camera shot that was! Was the guy on an iPhone sitting in the upper stands? But you know, it literally looked like he was going like this the whole game. It was terrible. Right. Right. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe somebody's trying to, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? Pirate uh, a live stream. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe there's some side business going on there with with Cal Arizona basketball. But, you know, a, a, a win when you look at the scoring category. Right. Obviously, a, a game that, you know, we thought was going to be a cakewalk for Arizona from the get go. Cal, obviously one of the worst, if not the worst team in the conference, but uh, a game where Arizona did what they did, needed to do. Obviously, there in the first and second half, there was a little bit of a stretch in the second half where offensively they seemed to disappear for five or six minutes. But um, Arizona was ultimately able to go back to what they do best and get the ball inside to Azulas Tubelas, who finished with yet another effortless double-double, 23 points, 14 rebounds. It didn't even look like he was out there at times just because it was so fluid and easy. But uh, a game where Arizona was expected to nom- uh, dominate, and you know what they did? They dominated. The uh, a technological performance about as good as the color spectrum, apparently, in today's rugby shirt. Uh, it was kind of a bookend <laughs> game. It was kind of a bookend game, generally speaking. Arizona started out well, ended well. So the final result looked like about what you thought it was going to get to in the middle. Didn't they played pretty uninspired basketball? The shooting at the foul line, uh, 
uh, was obviously something that looks pretty ugly. I think they were uh, two of 12 from the field at one point uh, later in the second half. But it was almost like one of those games where we've talked a lot, rightfully so, about how Arizona has played so well over the course of the last two or three weeks. And you had a feeling, I think, going into this game that they were just going to dominate California. Things were going to go reasonably well. Uh, but the, And then it started out exactly like that. I think they were up 9-1 to one at one point, right. and then it was double figures by the time that Arizona had scored the mid-teens. So it was, it was pretty clear that Arizona was well on its way to winning this game by 30. And it appeared that Arizona also thought that it was well on its way to winning this game by 30. They more or less kind of tapped it in. Uh, after it seemed like the uh, four-minute timeout in the first uh, half. They were always with an arm's-length lead. Cal was kind of, you know, showed some moxie that it didn't have to for a three-win basketball team, but also ultimately looked like a three-win basketball team that was uh, way out of its depth. And as a result, in the end, it wasn't pretty. It was pretty forgettable. Arizona uh, comes away with an easy victory and can look ahead to Stanford. All right, I will say this. Um, people much smarter than us, like Jerome Glass, have pointed out um, and uh, says this camera angle is the same as always, which is horrible. That doesn't make it right. <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> that doesn't make it right. I was it was very annoying watching it. It was very My annoying. Was very it. annoyed tonight with the Cal broadcast. Very. Annoying. I was very I was annoying. very annoyed by that. Like but again. It is, it is what it is. Uh, let's talk about Azulis Tabellas here because we got to talk about him, and then we're going to talk about Pella Larson. Azulis Tabellas now, and I thought Ryan Hansen made a pretty good point earlier in this week, as Ryan Hansen tends to do. He said, you know, it's not often in college basketball where you see somebody where every single game, and he said even here, you know they're going to get you 20 and 10, every single game. And that's essentially what Azulis Tabellas is right now. And, you know, you go back and you look at the history. There's not a lot of guys. I mean, because, again, Arizona's been a perimeter-oriented school. There's always been guys, you know, that could have off games. Azulis really doesn't have off games, per se. I mean, I can't even remember the last time you could look back and say, man, Azulis didn't play well out there. This is, I mean... Again, I know we're harping on it each post game, but at the same time, you don't want to take it for granted that every single game out there, he's doing what he's doing there, fellas. And he's no doubt why this Arizona team and this program has just been so special over the last year. I mean, it really does start and end with him. And to your point, even looking at some of these odds, and I, I did catch that conversation with Ryan Hansen you guys had earlier in the week. And just when you stack them up against some of the top players in college basketball, especially when you look at some of the bigs and some of the guys who are in the mix to win the player of the year awards and whatnot, I mean, it really shows you that I think maybe outside of somebody like Zach Eady at Purdue, to me, he is clear-cut one of the best players in all of college basketball, and it, he shows it game in and game out. It's so fluid. It's so easy, and it, it's it's different in the sense that I don't think he's obviously anywhere near the same type of player as somebody as DeAndre Ayton, but it's just it's refreshing to watch. It's easy to watch when you watch him out there, and he just blends in so well, and he really does do what this team is trying to do offensively, game in and game out. It does start and kind of end with him. And when you think of guys across across college basketball, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you look at somebody like Edie, you look at some of these other guys across the country, there has to be games where maybe there's an 8, 9, 10-point performance and maybe they don't look the best defensively or maybe they don't kind of bring in as many rebounds as they typically do per game. But Tubelis hasn't had one of those games. I mean, Arizona, right. granted, when they've lost these games, you know, these three games that they've lost in the conference play, he still plays very, very well. I mean, he's as consistent as they get. And, and outside of somebody like Aiton, who 
averaged 20 and 11 when he was here. I can't really think of a guy that comes to mind where it's just so automatic. But on top of that, I really can't think of a guy where it's just so fluid and easy out there. Yet he's got a lot of Derek Williams to him. He's a totally different kind of player, but he's got a little Derek Williams to it where if he doesn't have 20 and 10 or somewhere around there, you're kind of like, I can't even remember the last time he didn't flirt with 20 and 10, to be honest with you, Shu. Yet the uh, element that I think is also kind of interesting here is that Williams was a number two pick and Aiton was a number one pick. And a lot of us don't think Tabellus might even be selected, right. uh, which is a really curious dynamic that says a lot about our interpretation of who's NBA ready and uh, who may just be a great college player. Uh, and, and maybe we're wrong about Tabellus or Maybe a lot of folks are wrong to Bellis, uh, about Tabellis. I think Tabellis can find a place. Uh, Brad has talked to uh, our, our, our buddy Brad Alice. Has, uh, William uh, Brad Alice. Uh, you call him what you're going to call him. And uh, since I've known Brad almost as long as you've been alive, I will call you Brad. You'll call Brad. him what you want to call him. I will call him what I want to call him. Uh, but he called... I don't remember what the hell I was going to say, uh, but it was something that was brilliant that Brad Alice said in regards to uh, overall scouting. Oh, that was it. That if Tabellus could develop a jump shot, I, I think it would help him out a lot. And I think he's right. But beyond that, the development between last year and this year has been uh, pretty impressive. And he's definitely been a team leader. I think the problem when you talk about awards sorts of conversations is that he's probably too late in the game. The, generally speaking, the reality is that you have a lot of guys who you think are going to be in the conversation in the preseason, and they're automatically always in the conversation. It really takes a lot to get them out of that discussion. And then if you have the late bloomers throughout the year kind of making that run down the home stretch, maybe there's just not enough time, and people are sort of already locked into the names that they sort of think belong in that conversation. So then you have two disparate discussions. The... Should he be considered for National Player of the Year versus is he going to be National Player of the Year or ultimately even in the conversation? And the one is a lot more realistic in regards to overall performance. The other one is probably more realistic on how this thing's going to end up based on preconceived notions. All right. We've already got people asking in here and Psy Guy 06, much smarter than me. He beat me to the punch. Waiting for the first four peaks mention. That's what I came for. The four peaks. All right. Emma, we're going a little out of order here on the reads, but we have to give the people what they want. Four Peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Now, you might have been watching the game like me on the side of your couch saying, are the Four Peaks going to get any kind of run in this game? They did get run at the very end right there. Henry Vasar got run. He got, a, he got a bucket in there, got a rebound as well. Just as cool as Henry Vasar is Four Peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports. We have a tap and bottle watch party this Saturday at 6 o'clock. We would love to see you down there. Come check it out. Tap and bottle. Uh, Arizona Stanford, Four Peaks and Mountain Mike's, um, or excuse me, Four Peaks and Tap and Bottle. Um, Emma, I'm going a little bit out of the turn right here, but I apologize. I have to give the people what they want because we aim to please on this show. So again, Four Peaks and Tap and Bottle. Check out the show notes and the link in the description. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about Pella Larson. My bad, Pella, if you follow me on Twitter. Um, I really like how he, I really like how he's rounded into form right here. We've talked about this all season that the thing that's really odd about Pella Pella Larson is that it's like you would think that he would be a better shooter, 
these last probably four or five games, he's looked much better than uh, he's looked much better as far as shooting the ball. He's looked more confident. I will give, I'm going to give Pella Larson a little bit of credit there. Ben White, are you going to be a Pella denier? Like I used to be, or are you going to say, Mike, you're an idiot? I mean, I'm going to be logistical, right? I mean, 16 points, six for seven from the field, three for three from three, which is really what we've talked logistical about. Logistical or logical? Logical, excuse me. Six I was seven, liking, three. I don't know. I was liking logistical. You, you know what? You I, I like logistical, couldn't you? I, 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 I like to change it up. Irregardless, mm-hmm. regardless, we like to make up words on this show, right? <laughs> well, three, you know, if we have viewers from Sweden, there's a lot of logistics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's true. So three for three from three. And, you know, it's just, Don McLean was talking a little bit about this and we We've talked about it too, right? Is it seems like when you kind of move him to that bench spot and he's playing obviously starter minutes, but it it seems like a psychological thing in the sense that he, he feels a lot more comfortable out there. I think when he's out there, he he does what's definitely within his his area of, of, of operation, right? He he's kind of improved that shot that we've talked about, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And he is that guy, you know, he is that six or seven sweet spot in that, you know, rotation when you try to tighten things up and moving him off the bench, right into that, you know, into that first guy off the bench role, I think has really made wonders for him. And to me, when you look at his performance offensively tonight, he was able to hit some really key shots and he was kind of the guy to look at when, you know, you look at the way Arizona played offensively tonight. And I think too, and and we saw this specifically in the first half and they got away from this towards the end of the second half, especially when they Cal tightened it up a little bit, 10 to 12 for just a few minutes. But I think Arizona's game plan and what Lloyd really wanted them to focus on going out there was making outside shots. And obviously Larson was a guy who came in pretty early in the game and he was a guy who was able to get into space and do that along with, with all the other guards. So Arizona, as we've talked about, right, the the biggest thing that they've needed to work on and, you know, granted where they are in this point in the regular season, it's a good spot to be and it's a good problem to have. But the biggest thing that we've talked about all year and the thing that they've needed to work on in Pac-12 play is shooting. And that's what they've been able to do. Their guards look a lot more comfortable out there. If it's Larson, Boswell, you know, if it's Cedric Henderson, whoever you want to name out there, this team just looks a lot more fluid and a lot more comfortable from outside. And that's got to give you uh, some definitely some optimism and a lot of hope as a, as a fan. And that's part of the reason why they're shooting 49% from the field. I mean, when's the last time you can remember, let alone an Arizona team, but in college basketball, at this point in the year to be shooting 49% from the field is just absolutely insane. And, and, and it's also interesting, especially Good stat with the there, Ben, very logistical. Go ahead. <laughs> Without a doubt. I, we went a lot of places to get to that excellent stat. Uh, but it also says a lot, I, I think about the inconsistency of offenses in college basketball this year, which I think is at a higher rate than it has been before a discussion as to why that be, uh, why that is could be, another time, but it might bode well for Arizona that the Cats look like they've found their consistency on that end of the floor again, and that might make it difficult on other teams that they see in the tournament. One of your commenters below, uh, I apologize, I didn't get the name. It may have been BTH, and I don't know if he was being a little bit sarcastic or not, but he said that Larson has upped his three-point rate to (laughs) (laughs) 30.9. But if he ends the season, Larson... At something like 36 or 37 or 38 percent from three point range, then that's really good news because it means that uh, Larson has found his stroke, a stroke that was clearly detrimental over the first uh, most of the season. But he looks a lot more comfortable out there. And this is the second year in a row. And again, last year, 
you can rightfully make the argument that he was coming off the injury, and so it took him a little while to get into form. But take that out of the equation for right or for wrong. The, the way he's played this year has been very similar to the way he played last year. He was a much better player in February uh, than he of last year than he was throughout most of the year. And he's a much better player in February of this year. He's uh, a gamer. He was. So, so, you know, if you want to call, if you want to pull the sweet, Swedish pinball a little bit and go for a second one and call him Mr. February, by all means. All right. I want to ask you a question here, John Schuster and Ben White as well, because Ben brings the youth. Schuster brings the experience. How about yeah. that? That oh. means I'm old. Cut, get, cut, old. That for the, cut for that. Cut that for the promo. All right. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, but first, the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Here's the deal. You can put down $5 on any NBA game and get up to $200 in free plays. That simple, that easy. 21 and up, Arizona only. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. They'll get you all taken care of. Check out the show notes and the link in the description. But again, it's now time for our DraftKings pick of the week. I am going with the Phoenix Suns to win games now. When Kevin Durant comes back to the lineup, would you? what would you guys say? Yay or nay? Or are you sticking with the Pistons, John Schuster? Well, my Pistons pennant has left me. I don't know. I think the Pistons pennant is so despondent about the performance of the Pistons that it's just kind of left my apartment somehow. But I do have that fancy Suns pennant back there and that exciting Arizona Wranglers pennant because I know, like you, I'm also excited about the USFL. So I go back to the uh, uh, I go back to a quality original. All right, right. let's get uh, – and I know this is a conversation for the Suns folks on the uh, other uh, DraftKings and PHNX platform. Uh, if Durant and Booker are healthy, if the Suns don't win a title, something went woefully wrong. Yes. What do you say, Ben White? Do you concur or do you disagree with the elder statesman? I would I would concur, and that's exactly what I texted the elder statesman last night, is if, if these two guys stay healthy, I think there should be no issues there. <laughs> I think the only thing that they run into in the West, right, and you know, I, I'm not even buying it at this point with Irving and Doncic just because I don't know, good Lord, how they're going to play any defense, and Irving's a guy who needs the ball in his hand the majority of the game anyway. So I would concur with the Suns uh, winning the title. That would be my DraftKings pick of the week. Perhaps maybe we have another one pertaining to the Super Bowl later. You never know. Never know. All right. Um, we will talk about that at the end. All right. I do want to ask a little bit about media bias here, John Schuster, because you go back You go back to the, uh, the yellow journalism era, you know, um, and <laughs> – Sorry. And by so, yellow, he means the Gutenberg printing what, press. What, what did Shu do to you tonight? Jeez. Randolph, uh, William Randolph Hearst, John Schuster, good friends growing up to each other. Very, very close. Very close. That's correct. Okay. But on a serious note, though, um, Lute, Wait, that wasn't serious? No, not really. Um, Lute Olson always, or not always, but he generally complained about a lack of, you know, kudos given to his players from time to time, most notably Salim Stoudemire. Um, he made a big, uh, big point of it, not understanding why ESPN wasn't giving Salim Stoudemire his due. When J.J. Redick was getting all the attention and Salim Stoudemire was having a better season pretty much across the board from every single uh, you know, statistical platform. Salim Stoudemire, second team All-American, J.J. Redick's uh, first. Derek Williams, who to me had one of the handful of best seasons in U of A history, also, second team All-American, not first over notables like Jawan Johnson. Is there something to 
the media bias against Arizona players getting maybe a little bit more uh, kudos as Tommy Lloyd talked about earlier in this week, John. Uh, Sure. But Mike, why do you think it is? Um, I think, you know, it's a great question because, and I don't know because it's transcended three different coaches. See, I think you do know. And I think you'll come up with what you think the answer is here. I have faith in you. This is what you get for calling me old. I throw questions back at you. <laughs> well, I'm on the spot, and I'm not feeling the greatest. So I, oh, I so that, that that's right. You had the I acquiesce to your experience. All right, that's wow. that, that's an excellent pivot. Acquiesce is a very voluminous has has, has voluminous syllables. Nicely right. done. Uh, okay, uh, I a, a lot of there are a lot of gen, the easy general factor is time zone. Uh, you have a bunch of guys in studios back east who aren't going to stay up until two in the morning to watch Arizona and UCLA and Gonzaga and whatever's going on in the West. So, you know, it's easier to buy into Duke and Carolina and Kentucky and even Kansas to a large degree and the Blue Bloods to that degree. They'll always if there's a trendy player, the trendy player is going to be in an eastern or a central time zone before it trickles over to mountain or Pacific. And eventually they'll get to the mountain Pacific. I guess it's classic West Coast feed. They're eventually going to get here, but it's going to take them a little bit longer before uh, they jump the gun a lot. I think that has that that that's one of those time zone issues that becomes very frustrating. Another thing that I think is an issue, if you view ESPN as the mo- as the most important voice that dictates how sports are being covered and how specific individuals are being covered. And you view Fox Sports less and CBS Sports less and the PAC and the PACX networks less. Uh, then one of the problems that I think you also have uh, hinges on Bill Walton. Uh, and and in if you look at what what ESPN wanted to have, is a guy in Walton who is sort of the West Coast Dick Vitale. What, but, but, but the difference between the two is that Vitale, and both of them love basketball, but Vitale always talks about basketball and overhypes specific players. And I understand that over the last couple of years, Vitale has been on the sideline, but the general template that he put into place uh, still applies here. Uh, so Walton, ta- uh, rather, Vitale takes <laughs> basketball seriously. Uh, even if he's goofy. So everybody kind of gravitates toward the ACC because somebody a long time ago told you that they were the best conference. And then they gravitate to the Big East because 30 years ago, somebody told you that they were the best conference. And then they and and then you get this time zone thing where you're forced to take those, you're told to take those conferences seriously. Then there's Walton and then there's the Pac-12. It's not that Walton doesn't know the sport. It's not that he doesn't love the sport. Walton is a caricature that is in his 11th season of a one-joke sitcom. And that joke is that I'm the nature-loving hippie who thinks Bob Dylan and the Grateful Dead are incredible. The problem is that Walton talks as much about uh, the Sequoias and the Saguaros and the Wasatch Front as he talks up as, as he does promoting le- in a way that sounds legitimate. Yeah anything pertaining to the PAC-X conference. He's the guy who will say, well, I mean, it's the conference of champions and there should be 45 teams from the PAC-X in the NCAA tournament because they're they're the best. And then you look at the records of the PAC-X teams and somehow he's got Cal in the tournament. 
and sounding that, uh, you know, Vital loves the ACC. He's going to put 12 teams from the ACC in, but he's not going to put all 32. Uh, so so there's an, an, an interpretation of reality from uh, the, the, the Billises, the Vitals, even the Francesas to some degree, uh, who are all based on the East Coast, watch a lot more East Coast basketball, talk about how awesome the East Coast is. And then the one guy on the West Coast, when they have those contractual games, sounds like a, a comedy shtick. Uh, and, and because ESPN goes with the after dark thing and goes with the comedy shtick thing, I think it reflects a little bit negatively on the conference as being a legitimate participant. Even though, if you look at, you know, what this conference has in Arizona, in UCLA, and I think teams a little bit further down who can be a problem, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that when you come to individual accolades, I think it works against them. Now, the weird thing beyond that is that, you know, Arizona's probably the way these things are settling down, going to be a one or two seed, and UCLA is very possibly going to be a one or two seed. So at least at the top of this conference, there's respect from the NCAA tournament committee. But I think in terms of players that they see and the reasons that they interpret different leagues, the Pac-X doesn't get a lot of the notoriety from an individual standpoint that maybe it ultimately deserves. What do you think, Benjamin? I think, too, I mean, it comes down to winning, right? And and when you look at who's won the title over the last 24, 25 years, the last West Coast team, as we all know, right, was Arizona. And that was 25 years ago. So I think there's a bias, too. Everything she said is, is spot on, right? We don't need to make the points again. Late night games, you know, the the personality of Bill Walton maybe not being the most uh, beneficial representation of the Pac-12 conference, right? For as much as you can love them or hate them, but it also comes down to winning. I mean, statistically, there are just more teams on the East Coast and in the central part of the United States. And when you look across the board, the last 25, 26 years, and if you really want to zone in the last 10, 12 years, where are those teams? They're in the Big 12 and they're in the ACC who have won these titles. You know, there's Villanova sprinkled in there the last couple of years as well. So I think it comes down to winning. I think it comes down to, you know, the until a team on the West Coast like UCLA or Arizona or Gonzaga wins a title, I think we're having the same but, conversation year after year. I think that's just all right. Let me challenge. Let me challenge both of you because you both make very good points. But here's my problem. And Jerome Glass, you're making good points, but I'm going to combat it here. If you turn it on ESPN, all you hear about is how great the Big Ten is. The Big Ten this, the Big Ten that. We've made fun of the Big Ten relentlessly for getting 30 teams in like Bill Walton wants the Pac-12 in. And they're all out in the first weekend. The Big Ten's last national championship was 1999. So I I don't really – if we're going with the championship argument, fair, but – the Big Ten doesn't shouldn't get a pass on that because their last one was essentially when Air, the Pac-12 last one won okay. as well. Okay, so, so so why, Mike, do you think they do get a pass and the Pac-X does not? Because I believe that there's a I believe that there's an inherent bias now in the at the, at ESPN when you watch anything on ESPN now. Um, I and we we all have we all have TVs. We watch the Big Ten. It's nothing special. And but if you were to listen to them. You know, you've got these brand names. You've got Indiana. You've got Michigan. You've got Michigan State. You've got Wisconsin. The problem is none of these teams are any good. And so, yes, while you might have brand names, they're being thrown out there as these, you know, kind of these teams that are put on this uh, this pedestal, and they're just not that good. So, again, 
If you want to come at me with the championship argument, yes. Great point um, about the Pac-12. But the Big Ten is in the exact same boat. And for whatever reason, they keep getting 30 teams in and they keep getting bounced early on. That's what annoys me. It's a good uh, – Mike, yeah, Mike Luke, that's a hell of a point. Yeah. All right. You know what? That even, was- even under the weather, you dominate on the point aspect. Mike Luke with the done. mic drop. Man, yes, Mike Luke with the mic drop. Also, never drop a microphone. Never drop a microphone unless it is your microphone. If it is somebody else's microphone, then treat that microphone with care because you do not own that microphone. That's true. That is true. Now, let me tell you this, Ronald Reagan. Um, I know that reference right there. All right. OGs. Oh, now, think about it there for a second. I paid for this microphone. You know that phrase. All right. Now, oh, um, let's see here. Uh, Jerome Glass, I got your approval. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Um, and I mean that. Um, oh, geez. Now, you might say to yourself, I have a hard time sleeping at night. I'm like William Brad Ellis. I have a hard time sleeping at night. OGs oh, can help you with that. You can go to your local dispensary. You got to be over 21. You can get Indicas or Sativas, all different flavors. Very good. And in the process, you can support PHNX as well. So again, or if you just want to feel good during the day, check it out. OGs. Oh, All right. Now, uh, the big news that's gone on this uh, uh, that's broken pretty much throughout the day is, and by the way, Arizona beat Cal really easily in a boring game. We're going to talk about the bigger news, though, facing Arizona athletics right now. Um, it looks like the money just isn't there for the Pac-12. That's now been reported by a number of sources that, uh, you know, from uh, Stuart Mandel to Dennis Dodd, your real, your well-known national writers that Kliavkov has oversold his hand and what he promised the presidents doesn't appear to be even close to what um, they have. That makes a lot of sense because when you're having to rely on streaming, when no other uh, conference is having to rely on streaming, something was up there. I am all for getting out of the Pac-12. I am all for, uh, I, I felt the second that the LA schools left, this thing was on borrowed time to be honest with you. And I look at the basketball, I look at basketball without the LA schools and it's essentially Arizona and Oregon and it's nothing else. And then the football, football isn't bad as well, but I'm sorry, streaming right now isn't where it's at. It might be where it's at in three or four years, but streaming essentially eliminates the channel surfer that has basic cable as well. Cause nobody's looking to go and spend 15 seconds going back and forth when you could just switch channels. And there's a reason that the sec the uh, Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big 12 wanted nothing to do with streaming. The Pac-12 was backed into that corner, and they're trying to make it out like they're the wave of the future when the Pac-12 really hasn't ever been on the cutting edge of anything. I'm all for um, I'm all for Arizona joining the Big 12. In short, what do you guys think? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I think from a tr- streaming standpoint, right? I think what you said is spot on in the sense that it's not there now. I think streaming is kind of the, the icing on the cake. The cake still is with ESPN and with these networks. And I think when you look at the Pac-12 and when you look at the quality of play, especially Arizona, I mean, let's be honest, from a basketball standpoint, there's no UCLA, there's no USC. Uh, I'm not thrilled with what you're playing in conference every year. To join the Big 12, which I, I think isn't even a close to a stretch here, saying which is the best league in all of college basketball. You've got five teams in the to top go, 15. 
Right. To go against Kansas and ex- I don't, we don't even need to get into it to go against that type of competition every year is only going to level up your program any, even more. And it's going to make it a hell of a fun time to watch. And I think, too, when you look at Arizona from a, uh, a football standpoint, they're obviously on the right path. But again, it's, it's kind of the same argument. I mean, Oregon is is definitely from a football standpoint, you know, probably outside of the, the L.A. schools. Right. They're right there in terms of the power in the conference. But from a quality of opponent standpoint, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to stay in the Pac-12. And then I think the, the big business point here, which is what the decision ultimately is going to be made based on revenue and ratings, right? It's really hard to recap that revenue from losing the L.A. schools and the TV deal is a disaster, a big of a disaster as it's looking. So if I'm an Arizona fan, I'm totally cool with going to the Big 12. It's just a matter of where are the presidents, where are the ADs? Are they going to do everything in their power to make this work. I mean, we're going to get into it. The reports of adding, you know, SMU or San Diego state to kind of stay in check. Is, is that going to happen? I mean, SMU is what you're going to try to save right. the conference with. Exactly. Exactly. So if, if you're a fan, I mean, I'm all for moving for the big 12. I mean, we'll, we'll see time will tell, but that's where I'm at right now. It's no question about it. Yeah. There's a lot to digest there. Also, I would, maybe take a little i'm not going to argue the basketball conference superiority portion of that too although i do want to get to a little bit of a question there i'm not sure big 12 football without oklahoma and texas is significantly better than pac x football right now uh so 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 that yeah that that that's one that i think you can make an argument that washington's good that oregon's good uh that utah's clearly good uh, yeah. So there are certainly elements in in the conference as far as football is concerned that I think can stack up at least as well as what you're seeing in the Big 12 from a football standpoint. Basketball, the Big 12 obviously has a lot more weapons than the Pac-X does at this stage. Uh, but what I think you're seeing, uh, obviously with the Pac-X having problems with its contract issue, you're seeing one of these situations where you blow up the bridge before you get to the other side. And you have everybody knows that the reality of streaming may absolutely be there to some capacity. The last 10 years, ESPN has been bleeding money and other cable outlets have been bleeding money because of cord cutting. Well, if you're cutting the cord, then what are you doing? You're ultimately streaming something. Uh, so, so, so they understand that there is a different dynamic uh, in that conversation that might be there down the road, but are they going to get it there? And you want to have some combination of the two and the pack X, uh, you know, has obviously struggled to get there. Streaming is important. No doubt. Is it going to be important five years from now? Is it going to be important 10 or 15 years from now? I'm not sure any of us ultimately know, but to completely poo poo streaming becomes not at all. Well, probably, but when that's your primary delivery source, because you're looking at you're looking at a dynamic in an alloc- in an al- in a cannibalistic a la carte model, where Apple TV wants live sports, Hulu already has live sports, Amazon Slim already has, has live it. sports today. Amazon's trying to get has gotten involved in the NFL and probably wants to expand its uh it its component there as well paramount peacock it's probably being discussed across a lot of these platforms so it's not it's it it's hard to gauge from a timeline when the tipping point is that streaming's going to be something that can salvage a league mm-hmm. beyond that and uh, my, and i guess mike well mike ben this is uh, directed at you as well <coughs> if you're okay with arizona and asu jumping ship from the pack x 
who else from the Pac X would you like to see to join? Would you like to see join the Big Twelve as well? This is me being petty, but what I would do is I would try to go with Utah. I would let uh, ASU go to the Mountain West or the West Coast Conference, whatever the case may be. I realize that wouldn't happen, but that is what I would try to do right there. Um, honestly, if you're both those, I, I it sounds like if you could get Utah, if you could get the Northwest schools, if you could get Oregon and Washington, I think that solves pretty much all of your uh, all of your issues right there because then you're right there with football as well. And in basketball, you're still obviously the best team in the conference. I wouldn't be opposed to the uh, I wouldn't be opposed to the mountain or uh, to adding the mountain schools because in Utah you're obviously bringing in football. You've also you've also got in uh, you you know between Utah and BYU you've got that you know you've got that area right there. That's what I would like to see happen. Arizona ASU, unfortunately ASU, with one of those two groups coming with it right there. By the way, BTH is very funny. Mike Luke's PHNX show has more sponsors than the Pac-12 <laughs> Network. I like that. That made that made me feel good about myself. Um, but I, like I said, here's my biggest problem with the Pac-12, and this has always been it. It's that it's the only it's the only conference that doesn't take itself seriously. Yeah. You look at the Big Twelve. Here's what I can guarantee you does not happen when Kansas and Baylor are playing. It's not relegated to the last time slot. That and you're putting essentially to you're putting the there is no Bill Walton of the Big 12, nor would they ever put Bill Walton on a Kansas Baylor broadcast. And then you've got, you know, Larry Scott, who we know was an epic disaster, but he keeps getting rubber stamped. That to me seemingly only happens in conference in the Pac-12. Then you have Klievkov taking over. The first thing Klievkov says is. Um, we're not looking to expand here. We're looking to solidify what we have. Meanwhile, every other conference was looking to expand. The SEC had already expanded. The Big 12 was on uh, record trying to expand. Meanwhile, the Big 10, as you are saying, we're not looking to expand, is taking two of your schools right there, your two marquee schools. You have no clue about that whatsoever. That, shoot, that to me is just a lack of leadership and understanding. Well, it's one of the weird things where you're on the wrong side of the advancement and tradition argument regardless of which direction you go uh they're on the wrong they they want to be traditionalist when it comes to salvaging what the conference is 12 established teams with you know built-in rivalries that have been there they like the idea of how that looks and how that sounds and they don't want to disband that uh whereas other conference but other conferences look at a more advanced model and are and are expanding when it comes to deals, they wanted to be more advanced with DirecTV uh, and, and some of the other cable outlets, and that just blew up in their face. And now they're trying to navigate the advanced approach of streaming as opposed to more traditional television. And in every point, it seems like they've they've, they've been on the wrong side. The, the coin has worked against them every time. Yeah. Question. Um, to try to salvage the PAC-X... Would you try to go for a napalm style, get every school in two time zones approach? We want everything from the Mountain West. We want everything in the West Coast, everything along the Rocky Mountains, everything in the mountain and the Pacific time zone. Screw the rest of them. They're joining the Pac-X. Massive conference with those with that group of teams. No, mainly because I don't want like a six game, uh, a six game consecutive schedule where you're playing Fresno State, then uh, uh, Utah State, 
then Colorado State, then I mean, I, I'm not I'm not for adding teams that are just crap. I'm for picking, yeah. you know, if you could find six or eight desirable teams. But I get what you're saying, though. But at the same time, I think it becomes so watered down then that you're essentially you run the risk. You run the risk of basically playing garbage each season. I'm an outlier here, but I I, I still you're always that. an outlier. That's for I, sure. And, I, and, and and I know you have been trumpeting the uh, which appears and has often appeared like probably the DraftKings odds favorite to go in that direction, that maybe Arizona and ASU were going to be obvious teams that, that could join the, the, the Big 12. My, I don't want to say argument, but the, the, the kind of outlier perspective to me is that I'm not sure in the not-too-distant future contracts be damned if the conference model is even going to exist. It's not. You're right. And, and and so my my argument here has been less about whether the conference that Arizona is in and more about being one of the top schools, regarded as the top schools, in whatever the cannibalistic non-conference model ultimately is. And I feel like certainly with Arizona's rise in basketball, it's almost impossible to ignore them as a top flight university from an athletic standpoint. They're really good from a non-revenue slash Olympic sports standpoint in a lot of capacities and their football product is improving. So they, so they, the, the thing that isn't appealing about Arizona is that they aren't in a big quote unquote TV market. The thing that is appealing about Arizona is that they're a good athletic program and they also have a recognizable brand. Uh, so if you're looking at whatever the pecking order is, if the shoe model of no conferences occurs, it would be hard for me to fathom that Arizona wouldn't be a university included in that upper tier, whatever yeah. that, uh, whatever the number of that upper tier is, whether it's 24, 32, 48, my arbitrary number's always been 48. If it's something significant like that, I think you can favorably make an argument that Arizona belongs in that conversation. And all of this talk may just be temporary talk in the sense that when you go back to what happened last summer with UCLA and USC leaving for the Big Ten, if you ask some of those folks behind closed doors or some of those folks who were involved in those conversations, the SEC and the Big Ten's goals ultimately is to monopolize college athletics. I mean, it's it's supposed to go on that model in the sense that you look at something like the NFL with the AFC and NFC. That's what they're essentially trying to do. And this all may be temporary talk, but when it comes to the Pac-12, I think all the points we made, whether it's the TV deal, whether it's the personalities, whether most importantly, it's Larry Scott and Klikoff and the leadership that they've put out there. The foundation is so bad and the bridge is so broken. You just have to blow up that bridge in my mind. There's well, no right. restoring. Go ahead. And, and here's the teams that you just look at the teams that the Big 12 added. Now, granted, you lost Oklahoma and Texas. I'm not going yeah. <laughs> to pretend you that you. That's immense. Yeah, Correct. But you look at the teams that you got. You got BYU. That's a solid one. BYU is good in football. BYU can get into the NCAA tournament. That's a solid. That's a solid. Uh, Cincinnati, another solid one. Basketball, football's good as well. Houston, another good one right there. These are not. You know what these aren't? These aren't SMU. No. These aren't. Uh, uh, see, SMU being in Dallas is a is a school that you can talk yourself into getting better if they're in a more noteworthy league. But nobody in Dallas cares about SMU. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right about that. Ben White was uh, lived and, in Dallas. And, yes. and I think TCU, which is also there, has... 
because of success forced itself to be more of a product. Yes. But even if Dallas doesn't care about SMU, SMU may be able to recruit itself a little bit better in a, in a larger league. Um, you know, the, the San Diego, I don't think, I don't think anyone would, would necessarily complain if San Diego State was included in the conference. Totally, we, I think most of us have thought San Diego State belongs in this conference for the last 30 years at least. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you can make a favorable, you know, is, is Boise significantly worse than Cincinnati in football? Not significantly, and they have a longer track record. Right. Uh, you know, can, it's just so, you know, Fresno has had some success. UNLV is a really interesting team and then they've got, you know, their basketball legacies a long time ago, but they are a growing market. There is a lot of moving parts up there and efforts to try to get more and more things going on in Las Vegas. You know, there's some potential appeal there. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of schools that have bright moments that are more traditional in major conferences, but really are a heck of a lot more like Washington State. The Big Ten, the ACC, the Big 12, they all have a Washington State. They all have an Oregon State. But because they're in the conference, we say, oh, well, wow, those are really good teams. But are they really? Are they better than Boise? I don't know. I mean, you know, the PAC, the, the PAC-X is obviously trying to navigate a lot of things love, right now. I love this. That is keep – you never lose that. I love that each time. But that in the process, it doesn't mean that – you know, and, and, and again, you're absolutely right about Cincy, great addition. Houston's a really good addition who I think in two or three years can instantly be a factor in both sports. Uh, and BYU is, regardless of where they are – they're going to be competitive. That's a that's a very good school that has its structure in place. Right. You know what BYU is going to be. It's got a sound uh, foundation. You, you got that beef for football. You're always going to be competitive. But boys, <laughs> that. that's true. That's Boise, very good. I like but, that. But but Boise's a you know ha, has been a competitive school. San Diego State clearly belongs. You can make a case for UNLV. Uh, so you know there are things that maybe and, and and I think you can make a case for SMU because of that Texas connection. Uh, so there are avenues that you can go. And, you know, obviously, I think the Big 12 at this stage has been more proactive in doing uh, in in bridging the gap since bridge, I guess, is the uh, word of the day, bridging the gap after losing Oklahoma and Texas. Then the Pac-X has been uh, still at this point dealing with USC and UCLA. But there are options out there that you can try to enhance the model a little bit. The Pack X is Jack in the Box, who thinks that they're a five-star uh, burger restaurant. <laughs> that is all right. Before we sign off here, um, let's see. Uh, two things. Like I said, not feeling not feeling the greatest. Got a little bit of a chest cold, but. Become a Phoenix diehard. Go onto the website right there. They got all kinds of uh, good stuff for you. I actually don't have the read in front of me. This is the first time I've read this. I do apologize for that. I'll make it up. But Phoenix diehard, check it out right there. Um, all right, guys. Super Bowl picks before we sign off because I'm fading here fast. What do we got? Ben White, what do you got? I'm going Chiefs. I think uh, this game comes down to quarterback. And uh, I, to keep it simple, I'm taking the better quarterback. I'm going with uh, the Chiefs and Mahomes. Mahomes is more experienced and experience in the Super Bowl should be something that matters. It's such a huge game that the first time you're there, you kind of get overwhelmed with the spectacle. All of that said, I'm going Philly. All right. I'm going the Chiefs mainly because, uh, and again, I, 
normally I don't like these generic trite responses, but I heard a guy put it what best. He said, if the Chiefs win, you'll be kicking yourself for going against Mahomes. I think that's true. Yes. But if the Chiefs lose, you won't be kicking yourself. So look at it that way. I'm going with the Chiefs. And if you want to so, make your bets, DraftKings Sportsbook code repeat. And you know what? That's why Ben White, it's almost like Ben White could possibly be in the uh, the company at some point. That's how good Ben White is right there. DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, get your bets in. All right. For Ben White, John Schuster, everybody out there, again, the as Schuster likes to go like this, I like to go like this. Thank you. Um, you guys are awesome, though. Sir, uh, appreciate all your comments. Emma Clark behind the scenes. John Schuster, your eardrums. Hopefully they're okay. We'll uh, we'll talk with you soon. Or no, we'll be back. I'll be back with you tomorrow. They'll be back with you about eight o'clock on Saturday. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats post game.